3: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Bears and Izzy for breakfast. It is the 28th of September. Been a huge sporting morning, Izzy. We've traversed football, golf, NFL, MEMA, and racing. Plenty going on this morning.
4: Plenty going on, mate. The Ryder Cup. Joe House is the host of Fairway Rolling and the Ringer Gambling Show. He was outstanding with his take on the Ryder Cup. And then we had our good mate Harry Simeo talking all things EPL in England and Arsenal gave Baz's Tottenham Hotspurs an absolute hiding. And my match is United lost too. That's no good. We also had Darren Williams as the Racing Industry Manager for to Raceway and the struggles that they have to deal with with holding a big event, Cup Day Tuesday. In Christchurch, the biggest week of the Christchurch calendar. Hopefully we can get crowds and myself and the team at SNZ can head along to Cup Day. Looking forward to hopefully getting some positive news. And then we had City Kickboxing that Mike Angrove joined us. And he was very, very honest with the situation that City Kickboxing hold. Uh, the, the the blocks, the roadblocks that are ahead of them to to. Trying to get fights, they're potentially going to have to head off overseas. It is a struggle for them. Dan Hooker, Israel Abdul-Sanya and co. So very, very honest take from from Mike Angove out of the City Kickbox. If you've missed that, make sure you head over to our podcast and Baz and Izzy for breakfast. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Joe House, yes, House is here, host of Fairway Rolling and Ringer Gambling Show. Hey, House, how are you, bud?
0: Gentlemen, how are you? It's a great day to be alive, especially if you're rooting for the American side of the Ryder Cup. <laughs>
4: <laughs> mate, I just gave you a hell of an intro, too. Did you hear it?
0: I heard half of it. Uh, the, the gambling gods must have conspired against us. They don't want <laughs> me getting a big head. They want humility out of us as we uh, collect on these bets.
4: <laughs> all right, mate. How are you feeling this morning? Are you a little bit slow. You've been celebrating all night, have you?
0: Well, I have to tell you, uh, it's a little overwhelming in the, in the States right now. Alongside the, the Ryder Cup, there was a spectacular weekend of uh, NFL football on the oh, calendar. Geez. Plus, the baseball season here is really heating up. The playoffs are, are right in front of us. So a lot of different ways to, to enjoy yourself as a, as a fan of sports here in America.
4: Mate, ride a cup. Ride a cup. Let's talk about it. Oh, who's your NFL team, firstly? Who's your, who's your NFL, te- NFL team? Who do you support?
0: I, I live in Washington, D.C., so I pull for the Washington oh. football team. They were on the wrong oh. side of the outcome yesterday against Buffalo.
4: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Well, well, mate, long season ahead. You'll be doing it right. Mate, ride a cup. What was your take for a very, very dominant performance from the USA team from the outset? They were just too good for Europe. So this is
0: fascinating because of the number of rookies on the u.s Mm. team and the real test Mm. here was how will these rookies without any Ryder cup experience half the team was rookies how would they uh fare against a team of of seasoned veterans on the euro side and for the united states it was the best assembled team by official world golf ranking in the history of of, of our our participation in the Ryder Cup. And so you don't don't compete the Ryder Cup on paper. You have to go out on the golf course and take care of business. (laughs) Well, it turned out they were the very best ever assembled. They played like it. It was a dominant uh, performance, one for the ages. You can only talk about it in terms of superlatives. The rookies were the best. DJ was the best. This American side was the best. It's just an incredible outcome.
3: We got Joe House on the line, double A, double three. If you want to know anything via house, maybe uh, what he's putting in is. Uh, bloody mary's what, what any sort of any sort of food recipes anything he's up for it all give us a text what do you want to know from house while we got him on the line i want to know joe why why did this team mesh so well because if you asked me what team was going to be more cohesive before the start of the event i probably would have picked the europeans felt like there were personalities galore on, Amer- on team usa and it could have gone very wrong so what went so right from the personality perspective
0: one of the things that I don't think any of us really had our head around as we were uh, assessing the potential fortunes of these young guys. These young guys, all the rookies and the young players who qualified for the United States, have all known each other for 15 years or, or more. They've been playing together as juniors and then in college and then you know the, on tour. So I think we underestimated how much in the way of personal relationships these guys already have. Like we're aware that Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas are friends. We've been watching it on television for what feels like a full decade now, even though it's only been five or six years, but Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger, they went to college together. Scotty Scheffler, who's not won a, an event on PGA tour lives in Dallas, has known Jordan Spieth for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And there are those kinds of connections exist amongst this young group of players um, in a way that I think we underestimated. So this, these, mm. we, we, in looking at it, we said, oh, these are just young guys. We don't, you know, where are the connections? They know each other. They've all been doing things. And I think they really enjoyed the opportunity to socialize with one another and let their hair down a little bit.
4: Mate, we saw yesterday Bryson Shambo and Brooks kept uh, hugging it out. And, um, you know, have they sorted their indifferences out or was that all for the camera and they still got a bit of a grudge against each other? Tell us.
0: Both. Both. I think <laughs> we'll, 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 we will have something to look forward to. Uh, that was the most awkwardest November, hug right? I've ever seen. Yes, of course. Of course. They they have to maintain a little bit because they are going to compete in that in the match. There will be match number six or whatever you want to call it. Here in the United States, they're going to go head-to-head. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the venue now, but there is going to be, after Thanksgiving, this is breaking news, it hasn't been reported yet, but I'm telling you this is going to happen, <laughs> uh, assuming both guys are healthy. There's going to be a head-to-head, made-for-TV match. I think it might only be like 12 holes, but the two guys, oh. the two brutes, are going to go have it out, and it's going to be wonderful.
4: Oh, it's wow. going to be gold. I can't wait for that, mate. That is going to be awesome. Yeah. Love, it. Love it. That's good. TV rights are going to be through the roof. Mate, I want to ask you about Scotty Scheffler's performance against John Rahm in, in the singles. Probably didn't expect that. Like you said, Scotty Scheffler hasn't won a PGA, doesn't uh, really have any um, you know, background uh, confidence taken up against John Rahm and, and the legend he is. What a performance. Can you tell us a bit about that performance? Well,
0: the, the thing you have to remember with Scheffler he was in the final of the match play tournament in Austin earlier this year, so there was an indication that Scotty Scheffler is up to the moment against players that you know are more established players, players with major wins he He is uh, fearless and he has quite a track record in college. He's also a big guy that hits the ball a mile, so perfect fit mm-hmm. for whistling straights, and it was apparent that he was comfortable at whistling straights. he had. As you could tell from his strategy, the lines that he wanted to hit the ball on, figure it out, and he, he just played fearless he had he was not intimidated by rom and it doesn't doesn't hurt to to collect five birdies in the first six holes that that can help but, uh, uh build yes. confidence, but you know I think that was the overall um, mo for all of the rookies on the u.s team they were all fearless they feared no one on on the euro side they all respect john rahm though and and i mean they respect everybody on the euro side but especially john rahm who who collected three and a half points before that final match uh yesterday against scheffler
3: john rahm is a powerhouse isn't he house who who is the guy who's the guy on tour now because it was Brooks for a while, he kind of took he kind of took the mantle as the big swinger. You know who who is it? Who is the guy that everyone fears? Is there one at the moment?
0: It's John Rahm. John Rahm is, is number one. I think Brooks is. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Bryson is the most entertaining figure on tour. He's the guy that everybody wants to see when he plays events here in the United States. And he's on in, in the field. Fans will go to see Bryson because they're curious to see the ball go as far as he hits it but the guy who carries the 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 mantle in terms of can win any major it's John Rahm I'm really hoping not far behind and this might sound a little funny Colin Morikawa two majors Mm -hmm. on his record in in basically you know 12 months Uh, I'm rooting for a rivalry in terms of the majors between Morikawa and Rahm but Rahm is definitely the number one guy
4: Morikawa, he's won me a fair bit on the tab in the gambling sense, mate. I got on him at fifth I think I wanna get him at thirty one dollars. Thirty one dollars to win the, um, oh. the open. The open mate. How good? Well
0: done. Well done.
4: <laughs> got on really well. Hey mate, how's the NFL gambling going, Joe? You guys making millions at the ringer? Go on.
0: I would not say millions,
2: <laughs> but I would
0: say you know, <laughs> We have uh, by now learned that you have to be cautious at the beginning of the NFL season. And the real opportunities are with the underdogs because the American uh, betting public and, – and one of the things that's happening here in the, in the States is the legalization of betting. Uh, half the states now, you can, you can either physically go somewhere or just pull up your phone and have an app on it to, to legally place bets. And so there was a great um, influx of participation and money from the American sporting uh, public. And so now, as a a gambler, you can look for opportunities where lines get inflated in the NFL because the American gambling public looks at a team and says, oh, my God, that team's going to win by so many points, I want to bet. How can the Kansas City Chiefs lose any games? They're the best team. I'm going to bet on Kansas City by a touchdown. And and if you do the the homework, Kansas City has not covered a spread since Week Nine of the 2020 NFL season. So fading that that's just a good example of opportunities where the lines get a little inflated because of enthusiasm, because of early season performances, and the value is on underdogs. And so we've done a pretty good uh, riding the underdogs so far these first three weeks of the season.
3: Joe, it's in New Zealand and Australia, we've had kind of open gambling legislation for decades now, right? So we've we've kind of this is familiar to us. But what isn't familiar to us is the opposite. So in America, the, the sounds that it's opening up and you can legally gamble is kind of people will be kind of wondering, what does that mean? What was it like beforehand? How were you guys, you know, you and Sal and the crew, how were you guys getting bets on?
0: Ah. Uh... Through the shadow market, is the polite way I'll put it. The the, the, the the quiet market. There's there is legalized betting in Las Vegas, and so if you have friends in Las Vegas, that could be a place to legally place right. sports wagers. And there are some some legal offshore entities, uh, at least you know somewhat legal. And then you know there's all kinds of of. Uh, Ways and opportunities here. We're very inventive here in the States. Where there's a will, there is a way here in the United
4: States. Wee, wee, wee. Sorry, Louis is trying you right under the bus here. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, mate, just just before we go, just quickly, last question about the rider cut. I want to ask you about DJ and his performance. Um, Five points he was able to achieve, I read and uh, only five players have done it in the past. Can you talk to us about that achievement for, for Dustin Johnson and his work at the Ryder Cup?
0: Well, what I would say is was the most Dustin Johnson performance ever because he was not in form coming up to this event, right? The, the thing with yeah. Dustin Johnson is he, more than anyone, seems to possess an on-off switch, and if he arrives at a venue and is feeling good and the stars are in alignment and, you know, Paulina is taking care of the kids as well as, as Dustin, uh, then, then he's comfortable playing. And, and at any moment he can be the best player in the world. He is in fact, right now, just as a reminder, the number two in the official world golf ranking. So it, it, it ought not to be that big a surprise. He just hasn't mm-hmm. done anything in the past couple of months to make us think like oh yes dj is in form it's just a reminder that at this stage of his golf game dj is always in form and and it just needs you know he just needs a little bit of confidence his ball striking had been out of sorts his ball striking was marvelous this this whole week and you know it was a dominant dj performance not that dissimilar from the kind of form we saw from him when he won the masters last fall
3: Awesome house. That makes perfect sense. And, and he's a guy you'd never ra- ride off, would you? He's always right there ready to unload. Just one last one. We've got the Cowboys-Eagles today. If anyone wants to make a buck, uh, the three-and-a-half-point favourites here in New Zealand, the Cowboys, what will you be watching for here from a bidding perspective?
0: Grab the hook. If you can get the extra half point on the Eagles, we like the Eagles very very much. Uh, the, uh, the books here in the U.S. have already shifted down to three. The Eagles have slightly underperformed, notwithstanding their dominant performance in in week one. They were very competitive against San Francisco last week. It was self-sabotage that kept them from uh, being more competitive against San Francisco. They had the ball inside the 30-yard line three times in the first half uh, last week and came away with zero points. Um, Dallas has a very, very capable offense, an electric offense, uh, especially with Dak Prescott being healthy again, and it's fun to see him with all the skill guys. The questions are with Dallas, they have a, a little bit of injury on both sides of the line, both on offensive linemen, Leo Collins is out, and uh, DeMar- DeMarcus Cousins, uh, not Cousins, uh, Lawrence. DeMarcus Cousins is basketball. DeMarcus <laughs> yeah, Lawrence say, broke his foot last week. I'm, I'm ready for hoops. We're three weeks away, fellas. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> are. Look, I, I, I like I like the Eagles getting the half point. These these uh, divisional rivalries tend to be uh, closer games, and so I like like the Eagles on the road with the half point. Oh,
3: I love it! What a glorious time for American sports hoops. Three weeks away with the NFL season in full swing, the Red Sox getting pumped over the weekend. Ryder Cup being, has been brought home. What a great result! Host of fairway rolling in the ring of gambling show, Joe House. Thank you, mate. We love having you on New Zealand Radio.
0: Thank you, guys. Anytime you, you, you want me, I'm here for you. <laughs> Outstanding.
3: Yeah. Go house. Champion. Thanks, mate. There you go. We're looking at the Premier
4: Leaguers. Is- we are, mate. We are. We go nowhere else. We don't go see anyone else but our mate over in the UK, Harry Simeo. And, wow, his umbrella broke. He's He's dripping wet while walking to the train station. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care because Arsenal got up. Have they turned the wee corner? Have they Arsenal? Have they been playing pretty well? And you are pretty happy with how they're tracking at the moment?
2: I think yeah, the results have definitely picked up from an Arsenal perspective. Mm. I think we've won four games on the trot now in all competitions, which is obviously an improvement on how we started this season. Still, a lot of work to be done though. Um, not getting too carried away, but obviously yesterday's win over Tottenham was not just a great win in terms of boosting the morale, but. In terms of the actual performance itself, I think that's some of the best football we've probably seen under this manager. So lots to take encouragement from. And I guess the key now is just being able to build on from it and, and take it onto to that next level.
3: Isn't sport just a magnificent thing, Harry, that you can have terrible things happen to you, but your team wins and you're still just walking on absolute water, the puddles outside the train station. It's brilliant. When you open the Beeb this morning and you see the headline, Gunners have had false dawns before, but maybe this is different. Does it make you nervous, though? Are we going too early?
2: Um, Not really, because I think with Arsenal, a lot of the, the start of the season issues were due to them having players missing due to the camp being hit by COVID and and some of our key players were unavailable. We've had all sorts of issues behind the scenes at the football club that have just made it a very, very difficult environment in which to be successful. So there's been a lot of clearing out in terms of moving out players that we've been describing as dead wood that no longer really have a purpose, but were (laughs) on really big salaries. And and it's all... uh, Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta keeps calling it a process. And I think that's exactly what it is. But I do feel like off the back of the last few games, we're now starting to see his arsenal for the first time in about 18 months of him being in charge. So I think you can take encouragement from it. But as always, you know, as you said, sport can be a great thing, but it can also be a really depressing thing as well when things don't go your way. And and so we're not going to get carried away, but there's plenty of reason to be at least optimistic.
4: Yeah, celebrate it, mate. Celebrate those wins. Who are the biggest movers in the EPL at the moment? Everton are sitting in fifth position. Aston Villa knocked over my beloved. Manchester United. Who are the biggest movers in your eyes?
2: I think the team that have surprised everyone the most and actually are about to kick off a game this evening are Brighton and Hove Albion. They've got the opportunity tonight, if they beat Crystal Palace, to go top of the Premier League after six games. And this is a Brighton side that have been flirting with relegation for the last four or five seasons. So the turnaround there this season has been incredible. Um, You know, Liverpool atop top of the league. The top four is, as you'd expect, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Man United. That order will fluctuate during the course of the season. But for me, the, the big team to look out for is Brighton. And, of course, you know, Aston Villa made some really, really good signings in the summer. They're in eighth place at the moment. West Ham United building on a really strong season last season. They're currently in seventh. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a really competitive season. But I'd say up to now, the big movers and the big surprise package has been Brighton, for sure.
3: Wow, the smoky old Brighton. Didn't see that coming. What about then the team? Because every year there's a, there's a team that shouldn't be a dumpster fire that is a dumpster fire, and all the other clubs and fans get to snigger at them. Who are we looking at this year?
2: Well, I think they'll be okay in the end, but it's been a really worrying start to see, to the season for Leeds United. Obviously, last season was their first season back in the Premier League after 16 years, and they really kind of captured everybody's imaginations by playing this really exciting attacking football. They've got a very good and experienced coach in Marcelo Bielsa, but here in the UK we always talk about something called second season syndrome, which is when teams get promoted, the first season is, is adrenaline, it's high, it's excitement, and the second season is often the most difficult. Now, Leeds are currently in the relegation places. Um, So, yeah, you know, they've not won a game yet, which is worrying for them. The teams in and around them are teams that I expected to be there, but Leeds is the one that when you look at the bottom half of the table, you're struggling to work out how exactly they are there. Another team that probably should get a mention are Leicester City, who were challenging for a Champions League place last season and now, at the moment, find themselves in 13th. So those are the two clubs that are definitely underachieving at the moment.
4: Mate, what about my man United? Is there still Cristiano Ronaldo hype mania over there in, in the UK? Is How are they tracking in your eyes? I know they had a bit of a slip up against young boys in the Champions League and then obviously their first loss there. But you see them being uh, premiership contenders towards the end of the season?
2: I don't think they're going to contend for the title, I've oh. got to be honest. I think they're, na- oh. I think they're nailed they on to. you love throwing daggers they nailed- <laughs> in us, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're nailed on to finishing the top four, I would say. But, but in terms of challenging for the title, Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, whenever you think they've got things right and they're moving in the right direction, they produce disappointing results against opposition that they really should be beating, and that's because they struggle to to break yeah. down teams with a, who defend with a low block. And it happened to them again at the weekend. They also went out of the League Cup midweek as well. They lost a the home to West Ham. I mean, they lost three of their last four games. Manchester United.
3: Hey. Harry, um, one of the lads that works on the show, Kieran, uh, he spends too long on TikTok on the internet, and he, he turned up to work, I'm going to let you go, but just quickly, he turned up to work this morning with this conspiracy that uh, Bruno intentionally skied that penalty to get Oli Gunnar Solskjaer sacked. Is that is he in weird parts of the internet? He says that it's Steven Gerrard Roy Hodgson all over again. Is this true?
2: I don't think so. I've got to be honest. I think Bruno Fernandez owes actually quite a bit to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer because he's You know, he he made him the main man of the team when he brought him in. Um, You know, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer overall has done a good job at Man United. I think you have to say that. But the question mark is, is he a good enough manager to get them over the line? I don't think he is. Uh, But with the Bruno Fernandes thing, I think Manchester United are, are in this weird space where they could end up focusing too much on Cristiano Ronaldo. So much so that the players like Bruno Fernandes like Paul Pogba who have really been impressive over the last couple of seasons will almost be pushed by the wayside and that happened to Juventus Cristiano Ronaldo's last club they became obsessed with playing everything through him so much so that they couldn't get their other players going and Bruno Fernandes is one of them who I'm a little bit worried about what impact Ronaldo's going to uh, Ronaldo coming in is going to have on him I don't think he missed the penalty on purpose but I tell you what that ball's probably still travelling now <laughs> you knocked the socks off it
4: hey mate really appreciate it you're totally right the the Manchester United they they get a flow on then everyone's pumped up and then they lose to absolute battlers and it's frustrating it's frustrating as a fan but that's okay that's sport we take the wins and we take the lows as well but mate really appreciate your time Harry Simeo out of UK and we look forward to chatting to you soon mate thank you very much thanks guys
3: right now Izzy we've got Mike Angove on the
4: line Yes, Mike Ango, thanks so much for joining us, mate. How are you?
1: Too bad, at least it's a Lucky. sunny day out there, but um, plenty going on. Can you hear me all right?
4: Yeah, I can hear you go, go loud and clear, mate. How you going? You are good? How's Auckland? You all right?
1: Ah, we're all locked down, aren't we, mate?
4: <laughs> Looking
1: forward to getting out
4: of there. Hey, mate, we'll rip into it. Um, firstly, congrats on the weekend. Dan Hooker, the ultimate pro, and look like his plan just... Was a perfect fight in the end. You're pretty happy with how he went?
1: Uh, look, given all the circumstances leading up to, uh, you know, what he had to go through to get there, uh, although his opponent mm. was unranked, he was a very, very dangerous guy um, who we had full respect for, uh, Dan really to his game plan really well and executed beautifully. Um, you know, I, there's not really a lot of appreciation for, for the level of uh, both commitment and skill that that he has and just actually getting through that. I mean, spending the last uh, few weeks training in his garage uh, mm. is not any ideal preparation for going out and having a scrap at the weekend, you know, in a, in a pub event as opposed to, you know, doing something on the pinnacle of the global stage. So so that was a remarkable
4: yeah, nice, mate. Unbelievable heard it afterwards. He hadn't grappled anyone for months and it just came off. The plan was fluid and perfect. Mate, I want to talk to you quickly the gym. The gym moving to the States. Is uh, is it going? 'Cause that's that's the kind of feeling we're getting from Israel and, and Dan and uh are we gonna well, look, lose this to be terrible.
1: Look, obviously we're we're and I'd like to reiterate, um you know, we could have gone over it at any stage. Uh, in many ways, it was yeah. it's better for us to be to be located um, overseas. But it's our desire mm. and remains our desire to actually, uh, you know, be a big part of the New Zealand MMA scene and to be homegrown. But currently, it's untenable. Uh, yeah. You know, the MIQ system. Um, and again, let's clarify here: this isn't asking for special treatment. Okay, there's a yeah. lot of vitriol out there saying, hey, you guys are asking for special treatment. What we're asking for is improvements to the system, and in particular, for people and businesses who have to go overseas to conduct their business. This isn't about mm-hmm. a sporting team asking for special treatment. They, these guys are effectively employers to go overseas as contractors, taking a number of employees with them. And, and we do need to remember that. And as a system, um, there should be some accommodation for that. Unfortunately, we're mm. currently in this realm where I, I think because of our collectivism, it's become a bit of a mutual misery collectivism. And we're ignoring that we should be looking for sensible solutions
0: to, uh,
1: to some of these issues that lockdown and MIQ present, provided they don't compromise public health. And mm-hmm. another factor is we've always been really clear. Those who are unwell, are sick, have dying family members, they should be at the front of the MIQ queue, um, you know, ahead of us, ahead of people who are, are, are travelling for business reasons. Um, So we're very, very conscious of that. We're conscious of our responsibility. But as a business, it's currently untenable. And it's also dangerous for these guys to be putting themselves in a situation where they don't have appropriate training. And unfortunately, the the system as it stands doesn't appear to allow flexibility unless you have the, uh, I guess, the, the cultural and financial wherewithal. Uh, which is dangerously close to buying your way into MIQ, uh, but we won't go down that road. Um, and yep. those are the financial criteria which allow, you know, obviously the ABs, the cricket team, et cetera, to be able to, to. Uh, I won't say skip the queue because we don't really begrudge them that. We think it's a sensible solution, but we're talking about mm. where's the equity with what we're doing. And, and that's pretty critical. Um, yeah, so that's that's it in a nutshell. We're still working through logistics, um, working at mm. how that would play out. Obviously, there's a how lot of... How those conversations have, been? A lot of players yeah. in that.
4: Um, Are you uh, getting much days, uh, conversation from... Yeah, like Sport New Zealand, there was a lot of chat from Dan about Sport New Zealand and how they've been handling it from the government. Have you been getting those conversations back?
1: Um, look, uh, I've had some... Uh, some some solid conversations with Sport New Zealand and the indication from them that their hands are very much tied because we don't meet the, the relevant criteria. And, um, you know, they've, they've been helpful and offered guidance, um, but, the, you know, it's, uh, it's essentially we're unable to assist. Um, and yeah. that, that's unfortunate. I, I imagine that's because they're hamstrung with criteria. I don't want to get into you know them being a government department and representative of the government. What we're looking at is what's the system there and how could mm. we improve that? So if there are solutions available, surely we should consider them. I would like to add, um, you know, having a look on social media, um, Israel's uh, outspokenness um, versus what Dan has said, and they've essentially levelled the same criticism. Um, now, what I've noticed is Dan is getting plaudits and mm. getting hailed for what he's done. Israel, by the same token, some of the rhetoric on there telling him to go, and go back to Nigeria um, yeah. and, and the, the the negative comments towards him when he and Dan are essentially raising the same thing, has to beg the question, what's the key difference between those two men saying the same mm. thing? Israel's a little yeah. bit more profane in his language but he is saying the same thing. So quite
5: mate, clearly,
1: uh, there's something going on there um, beyond the fact that he swears a little bit more.
4: Yeah. Hey, Mike, Mike, we want to hold you. I want to hold you. I want to come back to you in about two minutes, okay? we are just got to quickly go to the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand, but I'd love to come back to you. Is that okay?
3: Sure, mate. No problem. <laughs> it is twenty seven and a half minutes away from nine o'clock on the line we've got Mike Angove coach with city kickboxing Izzy and um yeah like like some interesting conversations around the uneasiness of well this whole situation and and will will the gym move so Mike, do we still have you mate
1: yeah no still here
4: hey Mike thanks so much for, for staying online mate really appreciate it um so you you you're saying that that Izzy has been treated differently there was a sense of, of... Kind of racism, a bit of malice behind it. You feel?
1: Oh, I wouldn't draw that. I wouldn't draw that. Yeah. Above. I'll leave people to draw their own conclusions. But, but the mm. the sentiment is very, very different um, yeah. b- between the the two athletes. And um, yeah, look, yes, we know that Izzy's outspoken, um, and yeah. we uh, we know he uses profanity. Um, but the message is exactly the same, and yet the response to that message is very, very different. I am literally uh, screenshot a couple of things like, "Oh, I hope you're enjoying your nice shiny new uh, passport. Perhaps you could bugger off back to Nigeria." Yeah. And that's 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 a, a good example of, of some of that. So yeah. you know, that, unfortunately, the, the so, social media in the social media world there is. Uh, that element that that exists. Um, but it's uh, it's unfortunate, I think, that the message is being lost um, you know around shall we say personal uh, factors. the The message here is it's absolutely a consideration um, for, for us um, and it's not an easy choice. Remember, it doesn't matter where we are in the world. we wear that silver film with pride. You know, we don't cease being Kiwis. Uh, we're just representing from a different base. Um, so people shouldn't, shouldn't uh, misunderstand that. It's not a, a, a lack of patriotism or, or nationalism, if you like. It's just simple logistics about operating a business. I mean, Scott Dixon, yep. Stephen Adams... Uh, we don't consider those guys non-kiwis because they've decided to ply their trade overseas. Similarly, overseas business successes when they go overseas, we don't all of a sudden say, "Hey, you're not Kiwis anymore." you know um and and that's something I think people are are missing here. Businesses in general who need to operate overseas, um, you know in in order to provide people with employment in in order not to go bankrupt mm. in many cases, Um, You know, there should be something that facilitates that. Yes, everyone's suffering, but we've got to get out of this collective mentality of everyone must be miserable and suffer uh, equally. No, we shouldn't. We should Mm. be constantly looking for sensible solutions that enable less people to suffer. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, we don't want to compromise public health. But I think we're missing that message that, uh, look, we pride ourselves on being innovative. And, uh, you know, number eight, why mentality? Well, let's apply that to the situation we're in. Um, you know, let's just not say no and everyone must suffer. Let's go, OK, mm. how do we work with this? How do we improve our situation? And although it is a dynamic and a, and a moving situation, from a government perspective, we have had a lot of time. Um, to to start to think about these logistics, and um, it, it would be would have been more heartening to see perhaps a little more progression in how we're going to deal yeah. with these things. I think we've done well so far. We all support what we've done well so far. We don't want to be, uh, you know, in some of these situations overseas. But yeah. why didn't we use that time? Why aren't we now using that time to uh, create solutions? not just simply put an obstacle in place.
4: Yeah, I love it, love it. You weren't part of those polls that came out yesterday with, uh, you know, Labour and things like that. Mate, you go great in politics, I think, Mike Ango. Um, mate, just quickly, <laughs> what about, so with city kickboxing, have you had, a, have you like, Kai Kata France, Shane Young, Brad the Quake, Riddell, Carlos Solberg, and there's probably many, many younger fighters that haven't been exposed yet. Is there a lot of buy-in that if you do go, they've got to move their whole family, everyone's got to go over
1: Look these are discussions that 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 we have to we have to work through we have to work through whether it's a wholesale move we have to work through whether it's it's camping overseas that's quite a commitment for eight to twelve weeks yeah. um, you know it, but 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 simply put if you cannot train and you cannot come back to New Zealand um, and be separated from your family um you know and and remembering that we need to train with training partners, it's a substantial move. So whether that means we have an overseas base and, and a Kiwi base, um, you know, whether it's a temporary or a permanent move, um, how different athletes' family situations come into play. And don't, don't, don't forget, we've got uh, four or five coaches as well. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm just yeah, dropping yeah, off sure. my son to school right now. Um, you yeah. know, the, these are not easy decisions. This isn't a, a flippant knee-jerk reaction. This is something that, yeah. that we're currently working through because we need to earn a living as well. You know, we need to try yeah. and f- figure out a way how we can make money. Israel Israel Adesanya is not just Israel Adesanya. He employs yeah. uh, a, a number of people. Dan Hooker runs his gym here. Um, he needed to go yeah. and fight to make sure he didn't go bankrupt. <laughs> you know, Um and so, so those, those are considerations. And also for other people who are in similar situations. Uh, again, we, let's remove the fact that it's a sporting scenario and go back to it's a commercial operation. Yep. How can we create an environment where commercial people who need to operate overseas are, are able to continue to work? I'd like to add we as a team are probably the most travelled and tested team in the country. We operate in strict quarantines on both sides, of uh, you know of the ditch wherever we are, uh, we yep. we are more than willing to undertake protocols. Mm. Um, you know we have real really strict team protocols within themselves. So it's not like we're unaware or unsupportive of of these measures. Um, but th- there's got to be a way to to, to get there and, and to facilitate yep. that. As I said, so less people suffer, not more.
4: Yep, nice, mate. I, I really appreciate your time, Mike. I know you got your son to drop off the school. You lucky fella. My ones are sick, so they're home all day, but that's okay. Um, I appreciate your honesty, and I know it's a, a tough time, and there's uh, you know some big decisions to be made. And uh, just one thing from, from myself, anyway, mate, uh, I love what you guys do. You fly the flag with pride, and uh, I love the fight game. So keep up the great work, and whatever happens, keep flying
3: that flag, mate.
1: Yeah, will do. Cheers, guys. Appreciate
3: it. Right now, is well, you love this day. 117-year <laughs> history. You love Addington Cup Day. You New Zealand oh. Cup Day, Addington Cup Week. You love it. It's the trotting cup that everyone turns up for on the Tuesday. The weather is almost... Just officially good. It almost is never bad, and unfortunately, because of COVID and potential uncertainty around crowd sizes, um, we might not have crowds this year. Darren Williams is the racing industry manager at Addington Raceway. He joins the show now. Morning, Darren. Morning, guys. Good to have you on, mate. What is? What's the guts of this? What do we need? What do we need to know before you can set up all your Lindau lawns and the Izzy Dags of the world can get up there and have a <laughs> dance. <laughs> What
5: we know is that uh, Cup Day at Addington's uh, the biggest race day in New Zealand, biggest turnover day in New Zealand and extremely important to the harness racing industry and the racing industry as a whole. So what we want to do is, is be able to operate as we normally do. Obviously we're going through a situation in the country at the moment that means there's some restrictions as we currently stand on level two on mass gatherings, and we obviously need to take that into account when we're planning everything for this year. Hopefully, uh, we're at a level one uh, situation and we can operate like normal, or obviously operate slightly restricted, but if we were in level two as we are at the moment, uh, then we will be operating without a crowd on course, which will be very, very frustrating be very frank.
4: What have those conversations been like, um, Darren? Have you had good conversations with the government, with the powers of be, and, and getting a bit of understanding where they're heading? Can you, can you no, drop it and the... say we're going to level one?
5: <laughs> we can't, but we wish we could. <laughs> uh, look, it's, yeah. it's, no, it's no different to anyone else. It's no different to the gaming industry trying to look at Christmas and, and concerts and everything else mm. and trying to work out exactly what that is. We don't know what Level 1 is yet, whether whether there's a Level 1.5 that might have some restrictions, um, you know, completely different to how we operated at Level 1 before. Um, so obviously, you know, at the end of the day, we need to be responsible and respect the situation that we've got in place at the moment and make plans to to operate as safely as we can. What What is absolutely certain is that the racing will go ahead regardless. The only way racing would not yep. go ahead is if we were at Level 4. Um, and turnover's been really strong, even though we've been racing behind closed doors at Level 2 at the moment. So, you know, the, the staff are extremely frustrated. We were, hospitality was sold out, you know, a long time ago, and we were going to go on sale with general admission to the public village and Lindau Lawn and Punter's Lounge and things on the 1st of September, and actually expected to sell out within a week. Um the demand was, was through the roof and you know, everyone's looking for a party, especially with what's going on. So same <laughs> happened last year when we operated with That's a It's a hell of a party, I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great part, is <laughs> And you know, the the demand as I say, was, with operating with a smaller crowd last year, just just uh in and around uncertainty with COVID at that time. Um, if anything it's just driven up demand. Uh which you know puts us in a great position, and we were in a, a terrific position. But at the moment, we're treading water a little bit until we get an announcement next week.
3: Yeah. Um,
5: I- and to be to be honest, you know it's like having a punt, mate. You just <laughs> you're not sure what's going to happen.
3: Well, if we were going to open a book <laughs> on it, what, what, what do you reckon? Like, would it be evens, or are we, are we odds on to get racing, or get, sorry, get a crowd?
5: i would just about be happy with evens. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I I, I I don't know. Um, What do I think will happen? I think that, you know, based on the 2.5, there's probably going to be a level of 1.5 that might restrict mass gatherings for a wee while until there's more vaccination certainty, Um, whether that restricts a... I'm just completely guessing here whether that restricts an overall crowd to 5,000, whether it doesn't have that restriction but restricts pods outdoors to 500. So all of those things that we just don't know mean that we could operate slightly differently, um, but again, it's about timing. It's about, and we've put that sort of drop-dead date of the 19th of, of October in for us to, to choose which way we're going. Um, it's about whether we can operate safely with toilets and bars and facilities and everything else. You know, it's, it's not like yesteryear when you sort of opened the doors and went, right, go for your life. Um, <laughs> no. It's an expectat- expectation around health and safety and providing um, an appropriate venue Appropriate social distancing, um, you know, alcohol management, traffic management—all of these things that have to be taken into account, which yes. um, you know are frustrating. But we want to do the right thing, and 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 we try and try and do that. And I think we've been very, very successful over the years, which is why the race days continue to be such a
3: such so it's a huge thing for the racing industry. Uh, it's one of the great days in the, not not just the racing or the sporting calendar, but, but in the New Zealand calendar, Darren, it really is. So we're rooting for you and hopefully we can get down and all get around it when it does get off the ground, fingers crossed. We'll catch up again before the date, hey, and, and uh, get an update.
5: Yeah, no good as gold, mate. Look, just I think everyone just be following our, our Facebook page, following the, the website, N Z. That's where the information will be the most up to date and we're releasing it as soon as we know anything and just trying to be, as I say, responsible and, and trying to act as quickly as we can so that people have a little bit of certainty because we do know there's a lot of people that try and travel. You know, half the Southland ends up in Canterbury for, for Cup Week. <laughs> um, and I guess even if we can't operate as we expect to, I imagine if you've been coming to the Cup for 20 years, you're probably not going to work. You're probably having a barbie at home yeah. and, and a few and a few beers, so you're probably still having, probably still enjoying Cup Day. You're just not on course.
3: No, that's right. We're in the hoker at the pool house, Izzy's pool house. Thanks, Darren. Darren Darren's Williams, the racing industry manager at Addington Raceway.